Good morning. It is good to be with you today, and uh, we are doing this series, God Above It All. If you, if you weren't part of last week, uh, we, we decided we wanted to do a series to get people out of COVID brain, and, uh, and the way we we're going to do that is we were going to stretch your imaginations so that you could um, see God in His bigness, because when you see God in His bigness, something kind of draws you out of your stuckness. And so we decided we'd do a series called God Above It All, and, uh, and last week, Paul preached this magnificent sermon, basically on the power of God and how He works on the earth. Today, I'm going to speak on fire, which is appropriate, because we've been in freeze. So, so fire is the element I'm going to speak about, and I'm going to geek you out for a few moments, and, uh, and I'm going to intertwine some facts and some other geeky stuff into the story of fire through the Bible, and we're going to end somewhere where it actually makes sense to you in your heart. So we're going to go from big all the way down. Stay with me as we go through the geeky stuff. But uh, <clears throat> when you think about fire, God was incredibly intentional about fire. He wanted fire to be part of our lives. When you think about it this way, lightning. Here's, here's an image of lightning. Lightning strikes about 100,000 times a day. So, so you think about that. About 10 or 20% of those strikes will create fire. There was no way that Adam wasn't going to experience fire. If you've got sort of 10, 20,000 fires starting a day, and, and a fire, when it's got wind, can move at a speed of about 25 kilometers an hour, consuming everything. The flames of a forest fire will go about 50 meters high. They will literally explode trees. Trees, the, the sap in the trees will heat up so much that, they, that the, the tree can't hold it any longer, and the tree will literally explode. You will hear fire from kilometers away. And, and fire, as it gets going, <coughs> it, can, it can create so much just blackness, that in fact in 1987, there was one of the biggest fires, well, the biggest fire we've recorded, it was, it was called the Black Dragon Fire. It burned some 20 million acres across China and Russia. It's basically the size of all of the Eastern Cape and all of KZN got burnt in a fire. Fires have been touching the world and moving across vegetation for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And the whole way through, God's been using them. He's been using them to express himself. He's been using them to save Fainbos. It needs fire. He's been using them to move weeds. He's been using fire to express his purposes. And I want to dive into some of the purposes today. But I don't know if any of you have ever thought about a world without fire. If there was no fire, no chargrill, no braai, all your meat would be sushi, no coffee in the morning. Lots of people say if there was no fire, um, we, we would die because there'd be no sun, but that's not really true. The sun works on a different principle. We'll talk about that in a moment. You need oxygen for a fire. But if, if the world had no fire, no fireplaces, <coughs> and just think about that. I, I see some people from Cliff. You would have enjoyed that last night. In Durban, we don't know what one of those are, but... Uh, isn't it beautiful? Well, just look at this little candle. And you see at the bottom there, it's blue because that's burning oxygen. At the top, it's burning combustible 
elements in the, in the air, and so it's a yellow color. Lots of people think it's to do with the temperature of the fire. It's not it's what it burns. But do you see how it draws your eye? See how everything disappears and you focus in on the little fire? I would imagine that's what happened when Moses was walking the one day. And it says in Exodus 3, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement because though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. See, God can use fire, but because he's above it all, he doesn't have to use it the way it's used, the way we use it. He can make a fire burn that doesn't burn anything. He can manipulate fire any way he wants. And so he, he uses it to draw Moses to him. We read a little bit later. It says in Exodus 13, 21, the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. When I think about this, I think flamethrower. Let me show you a, a picture of a flamethrower. Now, the pillar of fire, I often kind of thought about it. What did that look like? Because it must have been bigger than that because the Egyptians were terrified. They wouldn't come near the Israelites. But I want you to imagine, you're, you're camped, about a million and a half of you. And every night, as it gets to dusk, the cloud that's over you becomes a fire. Now imagine, you have a nightmare. You're dreaming of the Israelites. And you get up and you get out of your tent and you look across and you see this fire, this pillar of fire. And you as a people know, you know that my God is with me, he's protecting me, and he's called me. And you go back to sleep. The fire of God, it led them and it made them know that your God was with you. Can you imagine 40 years of every single night seeing that fire and just knowing, there's my God. He's with us. He's got us. It's incredible. Then there's another fire. This is at Sinai. It says in Exodus 19:18, all of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of a fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain shook violently. This is when God is coming to meet with Moses to give the Ten Commandments. I don't know if it looked like a forest flame. It's kind of hard to imagine. Maybe it looked like that. Or maybe it looked like this, like lava. Maybe because it says the mountain shook. And when you shake a mountain, what happens is liquefaction, and, and suddenly you have Lava coming up and smoke. But either way, it says the Israelites were terrified and God goes, hey, Mo, come up here. Can you imagine walking up there? Smoke everywhere, fire. Do you know how, how faith-filled Moses must have been to walk up into the smoke and fire of this shaking mountain? Can you imagine how terrifying it was? Fire. Fire is, fire is a lot of things, but mostly fire is used in the Bible to demonstrate God's holiness. You know, that lava, that lava is going at about 1,250 degrees Celsius. It's warm. It's, uh, 
It's, it's bizarre, actually, even trying to get your head around the fact that that is melted rock flowing. But compared to some other things, that's kind of cool. So if you've ever used a welding torch, that thing burns at about 3,000 degrees Celsius. It's blue because it's pure oxygen coming out of it. And it will melt anything or consume it. A welding torch will destroy anything. It's as hot as you get on this planet, 3,000 degrees Celsius. But you compare that to the sun, and it's, it's really cool. You see, the sun, is that is a whole lot of nuclear explosions called fusion happening again and again and again. There's no oxygen there, so there's not flames like we think about them. It's just one nuclear bomb after the next, after the next. And what happens is, as those particles bump into each other, they fuse and they make other gaseous particles and then more explosions happen. And that just keeps on happening and keeps on happening. And God decided when he was going to make the world, he just went, let's chuck out a bunch of those things. And he spoke stars into being. You're going to know. He's big. The average surface temperature on the earth is about 22 20 to 22 degrees Celsius. The average surface temperature on the face of the sun is 5,000 degrees Celsius. And if you go down into the core of the sun, the temperature sits at 15 million degrees Celsius. If you took a pinprick from the core of the sun, a pinprick, and you put it onto a city like Joburg, it would destroy all of the city and everything around it. One pinprick. And God spoke it into being. When God's speaking about his holiness, he's talking about 15 million degrees Celsius fire. He is talking about something that is so outside of us and something that is so other that it is almost impossible to get your head around, but you need it. Today I want to talk about why you need it so much. In order to do that, I need to take you to another image. I'm going to show you a picture of a temple. So I know it's pixelated. Forgive me. It was an early morning deal. There are two fires in the temple. Two fires that God instructed them to have. There's the fire outside. That's a fire for sacrifices. And there's a fire in a thing called a menorah on the inside. The fire on the outside is for the sacrifice. The fire on the inside is for the presence. It represents the presence of God. Nine little candles giving light to that tent where they would go in and meet with God. Now, what's fascinating about this is the first time a sacrifice was made, what happened is Moses appointed Aaron at God's instruction to be the priest. And then they built the tent. And then God said to Moses, tell Aaron to sacrifice to me. And he gave him specific instructions, sacrifice for Aaron, sacrifice for the people of Israel, sacrifice for the priests. There were different sacrifices. And so Aaron gets all these animals, and he makes these sacrifices. He lays them all out on top of altars and goes into the temple. And when he comes out of the temple, this is what Leviticus says. Leviticus somewhere in my notes. It says, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. 
And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. See, there's something beautiful going on here. We have an accepted sacrifice. This is why they're shouting for joy. Now, when you think God's holiness, you, you must remember that His holiness goes in, in the direction of judgment. And so, if you look through the Bible, it makes sense that whenever God judged people, He would often do it with fire. The city of Sodom and Gomorrah, it was burnt with sulfur and fire. The priests, when they tried to do, the, they were trying to do priestly duties their own way, not the way God instructed, he just burnt them with fire. The Israelites, when they complained about the manna, like if you're a kid, watch out, because God just burnt, them, burnt a whole bunch of them. It was just the judgment of God on people. His holiness comes out in judgment. The reason the people were so excited in this moment is because God judged the sacrifice pleasing. Now, here's here's what's incredible about this. God judges the sacrifice pleasing, burns it up, and tells the priest, you will never let the fire go out. The priest takes that flame and he lights the inside of the tent with that flame the pleasure of God flame. And his job, which is why they would have these every six hour times to get into the temple, and his job was to make sure the flame never went out. Now, it's important. You need to keep that there. Keep that there in your mind. When Jesus went to the cross for us, he was the sacrifice. Fifty days later, fire came. It was God saying, I am pleased with the sacrifice. And in one moment, God came so pleased with the sacrifice that he didn't just burn up the sacrifice. He didn't just make a way into the presence. He literally put his presence, tongues of fire, onto the 120 disciples, every single one of them had the presence of God put into them. A sacrifice was so good that it would last for all of time, making it possible for all people to come into the presence if they believed. Now, let me get to why you need this so much. This was a fulfillment of a prophecy. John the Baptist said this. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more, than, more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I don't know about you, but I find there are times in my life where I want to do what's right. And I know that God won't tempt me beyond what I've been given. But I don't do it. Maybe just me, you, you holy. But I just find every now and again, I, I know what I've got to do. I know there's grace to do it. But man, that chocolate is good. I, I know this is the way I should go. But phew, to have another conversation, I, I know that we shouldn't, I shouldn't have new sneakers. But I, man, they were nice. And when you, when you should go here, 
and instead you go there. It's called tolerance. We tolerate sin. And it's a bit like weeds. You tolerate a little bit of weed. If you've got a garden, you're about to go into summer, and you look today, and there's a tiny weed, and then you look in a week's time, and there's weed. And what happens when you tolerate stuff is the weed grows, and it just, it, it just consumes more and more of our marriage, or more and more of my finances, or more and more of my thought life, or, or more and more of that relationship, or, or more and more of my work, or, or more and more of, of something. It, it starts to consume And if you're like me, you get to a place where you can't pull out all the weeds. You pull that one, and you're just like, oh, no, I've got that one. And and then another one's grown, and it suddenly feels like I am just overwhelmed with dysfunction. And at that moment, I don't need a God who gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling and tells me that I'm He loves me. I need a 5,000, 15 million degree God. I need a God who is holy, who who declares about himself, I am a consuming fire. I am jealous over you. I need the God who can burn me. Because I need those weeds burnt. I need his holiness to hit my sinfulness and singe it. I need parts of me to be torn down so that parts of him can flow out. You need the fire of God because you need the holiness of God because it will set you up for love. The only thing God judges is what gets in the way of love. But to come there costs. See, I want to just go back to this verse. John the Baptist, this is what he's saying. He's saying, I baptize you in water. And what he's saying is this. If you come to me and you say to me, I want to change my life around. I want to repent. I will dunk you in water. I will stand with you in agreement. And I will get behind you with all your willpower. Go, I'm on your side. Lots of Christians are trying to live by their own willpower with someone on their side. It's good. But John then goes on, he says, but Jesus, when he baptized you, it's not according to your willpower, it's according to his firepower. That firepower, if it comes inside of you, it will do a work that your willpower will never be able to do. It will set you free and burn up weeds and set your your life alight again in ways that you can't imagine. I need my God to be a consuming fire for my life. You need God for his holy consuming fire to burn the weeds, to deal with our mess, our dysfunction. And some of you are sitting in dysfunction right now, and you know this. You know, the trouble with when you're in dysfunction is you do something wrong, you repent, you get up again. You do it wrong again. You repent, you get up again. You, you keep doing this again and again and again. And one day, you do it wrong, and you just go like, ah, why, why am I repenting? I'm just going to do this again. Now, maybe not to this congregation, the holy people are here, but to the people online. Maybe you, you're like me. You get into that space. I want to tell you why I know I can get up. Because I know 
that my God is a consuming fire, and if I get close enough to him, he will burn the weeds out of me. I will get up one day, and he will have burnt it all out. I've just got to get close enough. <coughs> we need him to burn the weeds, and we need him to set our hearts alight. I was thinking about this, because everyone's got COVID brain, huh? I mean, I had COVID, so I know what COVID brain's like. It, it means that when my wife speaks, I can't really hear her. Uh, it's, uh, COVID brain is just everything's going slowly, and, and I can't multitask anymore. It's just, I'm just dwarf. I'm just a little bit, IQ's dropped a bit. But I don't think that's our problem. I think our problem is we've got COVID heart. You see, what this evil disease has done to us is it's put us on a path of trying to gain control and trying to get comfort over the kingdom. And, and so we, we're thinking about Netflix and we're thinking about entertainment and we're thinking about how we protect and we're thinking about how we make sure everyone's safe and doesn't get sick. And we, we're thinking about everything that protects us. And I understand there's good reason for that. But, but when you're thinking only about you and protecting you and what begins to happen is the heart gets cool. And instead of thinking about how to reach my mate or how to help them save their marriage or how to help that kid out of that situation or how to preach the gospel there or how to, how to start an alpha or, or how to live a life that people around go, I want to be part of that or how to open up my home even at safe, in safe ways. So instead of that, we think, how do I just enjoy me? And the Bible would call that a cold heart. And the thing is, if you stay with a cold heart for long enough, and let's face it, it's, it's hard not to have a cold heart. When, when you're in this situation, and some of you have lost businesses, and you've, I, I was, uh, yesterday we lost one of the most beautiful people in our congregation. She passed away of COVID. When, when you're facing one knock after the next knock, after the next knock, after the next knock. It is so easy for you to just go like, oh. And unfortunately, if you keep doing that and keep doing that, you don't just get a cold heart, you end up with a hard heart. And when you get a hard heart, you know what you need from God? You don't need a gentle rub on the shoulder. You need a God who can melt it and set it back alight. You, you need the consuming fire of God to get inside of there and baptize you again with fire. Fire that literally takes all your brokenness. And it says in Scripture that, that He refines us. You know what that means? It means He heats us up until we're melted Melting's not comfortable. He melts us with his heat, and then he wipes away the dross so that you can burn. And if you're not a Christian today, here's the promise to every single person. If you ask for the Holy Spirit and you believe in Jesus, he will give the Holy Spirit. And if you are a Christian, you have one job because you're the priest of your temple. Keep the fire burning. Get closer to the consuming fire. And so I, I wanted to, I kind of wanted this whole sermon to go into a moment. Because I remember the days when uh, 
I led a youth group, and people would, people would lie on the front, their faces down, and others would cry at the back and jump up and down and just go, God, everything I have is yours. Set me a light no matter the cost. Burn it away. I just want you. And I believe with all my heart that if our people will get there, we'll go, God, whatever you have to burn, I want you. Whatever you want to do, I want to be set alight. I believe that if we pray that prayer enough times, not just once, but if we, if we sing the song that we're about to sing and we make it a, a habit and a discipline, if we'll keep the fire burning, I honestly believe you will have the things that are killing you burnt out. And the life of God that's wanting to fuel you will come in and you will wake up one of these days and you'll go, why am I so happy and everybody else so sad? It'll be the fire of God inside of you. And you will start to speak to people who have no energy about why you have energy. And they'll say, I want that. This is what God wants for us. He wants us on fire. And so we're going to do something slightly different if you're in the room. We're going to play a video that we captured this week of Rick singing Refiner's Fire. And I'm going to ask that you stand. It starts off slow, but it builds up. And sing. And if you want to get on your knees and, and sing, then get on your knees. If you want to lie down, then lie down. But sing. And if you're online, take some time out. Send the parasites outside. Just put down your coffee and, and go, God, this time, I want you to set me a light. I don't want to be distracted in this moment. I want your fire, your consuming fire inside him. And so we're going to stand. I'm going to ask you to stand, and, and I'm going to pray, and then we're going we're to let the song minister to us. So, Heavenly Father, I ask for your power. I ask for your fire and your power to, to work deeply into us. I ask Jesus that there will be literally nuclear reactions going on inside of us and our spirits. And as we step closer to you, will you burn out the chaff and wipe out the weeds, Lord? Amen. Let's worship. Altars where you need us. Take me there, take me there. If what you need is just an offering, it's right here, and my life is here, and I'll be your living sacrifice for you. You're a fire, the refiner. I want to be consumed. I want to be trapped by fire, purified. You take whatever you desire. 
Lord, here's my life. I want to be tried by fire and be purified. You take whatever you desire. And Lord, here's my life. And if your glory wants to come here, let it fall, and we want it all. Your fire is consuming. Fill this place and set it ablaze, and I'll be your living sacrifice for you. You're a fire, the refiner. I wanna be consumed. I wanna be trial. By fire, purified, you take whatever you desire. And Lord, here's my life. I want to be trial by fire, purified, you take whatever you desire. And Lord, here's my life. today and in this fire and as you go I want to say to you make this song something you just keep singing and keep singing and keep singing friends he's 
He's a consuming fire and He's so delighted to set your light. You are not going to fix your light, but His fire will. So this week, let's, let's grab hold of the fire of God and let it set us ablaze. I'm trusting that you, you operate in a different spirit to the world around you. I, I'm believing that you'll bring peace and order because the fire burnt. So Heavenly Father, bless your people with your fire. Touch their lives and fill them with your Holy Spirit. And may this, may this day be full of life in Jesus' name. Amen.